0: what's going on everybody welcome into a Monday edition of texans all access yes i'm your host john harris football analyst sideline reporter and we are 17 days away from the 2022 nfl draft the houston texans draft party at Miller door theater that is going to be a blast i will be with you that entire weekend on radio talking about all the texans draft picks all the draft picks that are Going throughout the NFL, we've got the Harris 100. Check out the Harris or Check out the Harris 100 on the Texans app. That's the best way to, to do it. I have made a few changes, so hopefully in the next uh, week or so, we'll get uh, another update on the Harris 100. Uh, but if you need another one, footballtakeover.com. I've got that up to date. Scouting reports everything there. That thing is uh, as current as it could possibly be. And i got to say, it's... Pretty solid. I made a few movements here or there. A player had to move, which moved a bunch of numbers, but it didn't change a whole heck of a lot. Um, but that was about it. It's It feels pretty good. feels like we're in the right spot where we need to be for draft weekend, at least from my angle. And what Nick Casario and company are doing, well, we'll find out very, very soon. Now, we're not going to hear from Nick Casario tonight, but we are going to hear from head coach, Lovey Smith, just a little bit, Pep Hamilton. Is not going to not so much going to join us. We're going to have a little audio jukebox from Pep. And I wish we had Frank's sound. I couldn't, I could not get Frank Ross's sound today. So we need to get Frank on the show. Frank is just awesome. I love Frank Ross. He's one of my favorite people I've met that have come into that building. So we'll have a little Texans audio jukebox with Pep Hamilton in our next segment. And then we'll go around the NFL to close it down. And the Texans made a signing. So we'll hit that. It became official today. I put it that way, but today was the first day of the official conditioning period. Starting today, six teams started today. The Texans started today, Jags, and a few others started, which meant players back in the building and coaches talking at the mic. Well, I had the opportunity to go mano a mano with my new best friend, head coach Lovey Smith. We talked about any number of things in this interview, talking about getting the players back. And when you have that, and all coaches have this, all coaches have this in their, uh, in their bag of tricks. They watch a game, they're thinking about something, and they grab a napkin, and they start doodling. So how does coach handle uh, doodling, some new plays and then putting them into his famous scheme for the houston texans let's hit it me lovey smith all right to so start of the off season april 11th we've all been looking forward to this day john harris alongside the hbc head ball coach of the houston texans lovey smith coach did it feel like the first day of school bringing you guys back
1: yes it did uh, yeah i guess it had a little christmas feel to it too <laughs> yeah you know john uh you know uh gifts underneath the christmas tree and uh Just really excited about seeing the players. Of course, there's some communication that goes on uh, throughout, but uh, to have our first meeting together, see their faces and excitement, seeing them. They haven't seen each other for a while, so just getting to, you know, starting those relationships again is pretty special. We have a great group of men, so it's good to get that first meeting under our belt. Coach, how much meeting time do you get
0: with them, and how much can you talk ball with them? How much is just getting to know them? How much is that
1: part of it right now? Well, there's three different phases, I guess you could say, to the all-season program. And for the first two weeks, John, is uh be phase one of the all-season program. We can have the guys in our building four days a week, uh, maximum of four hours per day. And in that amount of time, the first two weeks, two of the hours would be strength and conditioning, and the other two hours would be meeting. So – there's a lot of video to go over from yeah. last year, so there's a lot we can get done that way. I've thought about this a lot, Coach, because you, you talked about your scheme
0: and what you've done and what you've been comfortable with over the years. During the offseason, you're watching tape and you're watching something like, hey, I kind of I like what they're doing. Kind of jot it down on a napkin. How do you incorporate some some of the new things that you see that you see some teams do, whether it's all the way down to the high school level, up to college level, or some teams that are in the league, how do you kind of incorporate that into a scheme that has become so ingrained in what you've done the last couple of decades?
1: Well, I think a lot of it goes on while you go, while you're playing, going through a season too. Yeah. You know, you're watching a lot of video of different teams and seeing, you know, how offenses are attacking certain defense and things like that. So I think it starts then, but yeah, there has been an awful lot going on. You evaluate even more, uh, doing, you know, doing this all season and then, You keep your core, and our core has been a certain way for a long period of time, but you just try to add a few little tweaks uh, to it every year. And that's just a base part of the all-season as far as evaluating what you do. All three phases, special team, offense, and, of course, defense. Even though it's the
0: first year for you as head coach, you obviously were here as a defensive coordinator. As the defensive guys are coming in for a meeting, how much easier is it to be able to look at them and go, hey, remember we did this against Tennessee, or hey, this is how we do this and the guys already – Sort of know, hey, I know what to expect from coach. I know what to expect from the scheme. I see that. It's not complete and total Greek to me when they see it. How important is that for them as they sit in there with the meetings with you and your staff?
1: I think it's very important. I think you can look at that, look at it that way, John, with all three phases. Of course, special team-wise, Frank Ross still coordinating our our special team. Pep Hamilton, even though he was in a different position last year, was, you you know, it's our offense still that we're running for the most part. And he was, a, he was a big part of that. So the transition has been pretty good for them, too. And, and of course, defensively, uh, it helps an awful lot. So we feel like we're a couple of steps ahead. You know, last year, too, you know, we had COVID. Yeah. So we weren't meeting in person. Just to be able to meet in person yeah. is, you know, kind of putting you a lot further ahead. How's your frequent flyer
0: account? Is it growing? <laughs> the miles are going up and up and up. How has that been this draft season to get out there, See prospects up close and personal.
1: Uh, it's a must, and I love doing it. Yeah. Um, first off, uh, a few tank things. Uh, we got to, I got a chance to watch spring practice, padded practices, real yeah, football yeah. being played. But to go to their environment, I'm talking about the draftable seniors, mm-hmm. juniors, uh, and see them you know, get as much information as you can uh, has been pretty neat. There are a lot of great programs around. And guys have really worked out well. And uh, we've gotten a lot of information to be able to make some good decisions. You know, we have a little bit of draft capital going into this draft. And uh, to use it wisely, we'll be able to make a lot of good decisions.
0: How's that process been with Nick as you guys go through? Because during the season, you guys are locked in on. Our opponent is the Washington Commanders. We are locked in on the Commanders. I don't really care what Ohio State is doing at this point, but obviously that's what Nick's group, the scouts, are doing. They're focused on what those college players are doing, and the coaches get involved, obviously, when their season's over. How's that process been for you and Nick to kind of merge the scouts and the coaches together to be cohesive in that draft approach?
1: It's gone well, and as you mentioned, I mean, we're not watching, except for being a casual fan, Sure, we haven't had a chance to watch a lot of the guys as they played in college, but That process started right away, you know, for me, getting the staff in place. And then it was a little bit of free agency, but everything has been towards the college uh, guys since then. You mentioned our personnel department. They do an excellent job. They called us up, you know, started with the combine a little bit. And uh, we've been just – it's been rapid fire since then. And as I I mentioned earlier, uh, we've had a, a chance to see. Workouts can tell you so much more, too. We've even had a chance to go through our local workout. Yeah. So we've gotten most of the major things done. Uh, we continue to bring guys in for the pre-draft visits. And yeah. um, that has really been good. You know, There's one thing, you go to the workout, everybody's trying to grab guys and get yeah. their questions. But when you bring them on you know, to your facility, we have them all day. And you, you, you're you able to find out a lot more.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And you've been through a number of pro days. You've seen a number of those um, as you've gone. But you were in Illinois before that where there were a lot of pro days that were going on. You got a chance to see it. But how much has that process changed, Coach, if at all, that pro day process after having gone through COVID and all that kind of stuff? Has it changed much over the years
1: that you've been doing it and going to pro days as a head coach? Well, a a few years back, that's when it really started to change, where it became more of a production, Yeah. Uh, more of a spotlight on it. And that's not all bad. I mean, the college has put an awful lot into that day of showcasing – their facility, how they do things, and, and just seeing their products they put on the football field. So it has changed quite a bit, but eventually you get down to a lot of the same drills that are being run. We've tweaked the drills a little bit that we do, but for the most part we know what we want to see by position from the guys, and uh, that hasn't changed a lot.
0: One of the things you mentioned, and I think our fans don't know a lot about it because they know about the pro days, they know about the combine, and they know about on-campus workouts – but the local workout, that's a really important one. I know a few years ago we had a running back that had gone through that local workout and impressed a little bit, and that was a guy that we ended up drafting. What is that local
1: workout all about? Our fans may not know a lot about that. What can you inform them about on that process? Well, it's exactly you know, how we described it. It's a local workout of you know, colleges that are close to our you know, Houston Texan football team. Yeah. Uh, so surrounding guys uh, get a chance to come for one day. And we get a chance to meet with them and, of course, take them and work them out here at our facility, which we were able to hold this past Friday. And, again, just more hands-on to get one final look, of course, at the guys that – and a lot of them that know everything about us. When you're local, of course, you know all about our football (laughs) team. and uh, found a lot more out that way.
0: Yeah. Guys that were rookies last year, Davis, Nico, Brev, those guys, from year one to year two, the expectations, I would imagine, don't go through the roof. I mean, we're pretty realistic about the expectations. But what are your expectations for those guys going from a rookie coming in here clean, knowing nothing about the NFL for the most part, to you're now coming back in here for year two? Our expectations have definitely changed. What are your thoughts about going from year one to year two for those guys?
1: Well, I think uh, you mentioned the, the, you know, the rookies last year. But for our football team, we should see improvement. We're a lot further along as we talked about earlier with our system. But for, you, for young players, you're right, there's a lot of things going on when you're a rookie. It's yeah. trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, get around Houston yeah. and trying to find your place. Now when you know, you know what you need to do. Uh, my time in NFL, uh, I've seen from your first year to your second year, uh, major improvements uh, at all positions, and that's what we're expecting right now. You know, these guys get a chance first. A lot of them have been around, you know, working out on their own. Yes. Now to get a chance to go through our all-season program. I'm talking about lifting, strength and conditioning, getting stronger, being able to really study the playbook a lot more. So you have time, really. So we should really see who these players are, even more so than we were able to this past season. How about you? You talk about getting around Houston.
0: You getting around Houston a little bit better, getting to know it a little bit more?
1: Yes, I am, and uh, loving everything about it. You know, I used to recruit. Uh, the Houston area for a long time. Yeah. But now to get a chance to, uh, to you know, favorite eating spouse <laughs> yeah. in, a, in H-Town. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and just everything that goes along with being down here is pretty neat where you yeah. have a little bit of time to do that also.
0: When you walk in, are you kind of treated like the king around town when you walk in? I mean, you are somewhat recognizable in this town.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm probably you know I look a little different than probably other coaches that have been in my (laughs) seat here, but uh, not a whole lot of uh, dark guys with gray beards, you know, leading teams. But um, I, uh, people know they're sports fans here. Yes, and they love uh, sports, uh, whether it's basketball, baseball, whatever, and of course football. So I think it's just really neat uh, to listen to our fans. And they're excited. They're with us every step along the way. We've gotten a lot of advice on on who we should pick, (laughs) number three, number 13, and what we should do at all the positions. And I love talking football, especially from them. And I just can't wait to, you know, get back in the stadium and see them.
0: So has Frank offered to uh, cut your hair or your beard? Has he offered at some
1: point to do it? Yes, he has early (laughs) on. Frank's pretty busy. He is. His reputation, again – As you go along, you get you know your reputation comes become more and more, uh, you know, more visible out there, and that's definitely the case with him. But I have a a routine that I go through. I have my own barber and all that. Well, that's probably better. He's he's offered to do my hair, and I'm not, I'm not all the
0: way in yet on it, Coach. So I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to wait. Just I'm going to give him till through OTAs and minicamp, and then I then I might do it at that point, Coach. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Anytime at all, John. Coach Smith is quickly becoming one of my favorite people to sit down, and chat with, talk with. I was at AM Pro Day, and they had everybody kind of sectioned off by media, and the coaches were out on the field, the scouts were out on the field, and we're all kind of cordoned off in different areas, and Coach just kind of made his way over to me, and we just started chatting about seven, eight minutes. We started talking about that pro day of Johnny Manziel, of course, being at a and you, you, you always bring it up, and he was there that day. Because he was scouting one Mike Evans, the wide receiver, who he ultimately took, I think, at number six and ended up, I think, Mike Evans is putting together a Hall of Fame career. The guy's been a pro bowler every every year he's been in the league. I think Mike is one of the more underappreciated receivers in this league, thankfully, because he is from Galveston. We give him enough credit, and we should give him enough credit. He's been fantastic. But Lovey was there that day. Lovey came over. We started talking about that. We started joking about President Bush bringing – uh, his wife uh, and H.W., and then his dog who happened to go to the bathroom on the turf. It was crazy that day at AM Pro Day, but it was great to chop it up with Lovey Smith. First day of conditioning today back in the building, and you heard him talk about it. It goes in different phases. Now, we've talked to, to the coaches over the years about the different phases, but, you know, different list, listening audiences over the years, and they're in that phase one, that opportunity to sit and chat with the players, see him up close. And I can imagine, as he said, and you think about your, your businesses and the things that you do, seeing people again, it's, it's – now, I will say it is anxiety-ridden for some people. And it can be sort of tough. Like, hey, I've been doing my job for two years at my house, away from the, away from the business, uh, whatever the case might be. But I think in a situation like education – In this case, football, where you're doing a lot of stuff in the classroom. That face-to-face contact can be hugely, hugely important. I'm not saying that for every single occupation. But, in this case, Coach talking about being able to see the players up close, doing demonstrations. They need to see that. Sometimes that's hard to get across on Zoom. So, this hopefully will be a much better offseason than we've had. We didn't even have one in 2020. It's some version of it in 2021, and actually, we were able to get on the grass for a little bit during 2021, and hopefully, we'll have a somewhat, and I say this in air quotes, my fingers are going up in the air quotes symbol, a normal off-season and a normal uh, April through June, when the players go off for the break, come back, it's training camp. Man, whew. that break is awesome, I will tell you. It is, it's nice to have a little quiet before training camp kind of gears up because there's so much that goes on, but man... It's good to have the players back in the building. Now, a player who is going to be in this building, it was announced officially today that running back Marlon Mack is now joining the Houston Texans. That's been, it was news probably, I think, a couple of weeks ago. I want to say it was was at at least 10 to 12 days ago when it was announced that Marlon Mack was signing with the Texans. Travel schedules physicals, all the things that go into making a signing official. Well, they went into play today, and the Texans announced it earlier today, that Marlon Mack, running back, formerly of the Indianapolis Colts, would be joining the Houston Texans Six foot twelve. and I think in the 2018 season, Mack was a big reason why the Colts made that run the way they did, why they beat the Texans to end the nine-game winning streak in 2018 while they beat the Texans in the playoff game. If I remember right, Marlon Mack went too large in that game. I think he went two bills in that game. I still see him in my nightmares. And he just, he ran, He oh, wow. He ran shot. And then 19 got a little banged up. 2020, Jonathan Taylor came in and, well, he's turned into arguably the best or the second best running back in the league, depending on whether Derrick Henry is on the field or not. And so Marlon Mack became expendable. The Texans were able to snatch him up. And hopefully they're going to be able to find out what they've got in Marlon Mack as they go towards the draft. And I think this is something that I would, I would say for, for everybody on this roster. Because you start thinking, oh, they got Mack, so that means they don't need a running back. Or they got, um, or they got Jalen Reeves-Maben at linebacker. That means they don't need a... They don't. It's not really, at this point, the Texans just need to keep bringing in Elite football players. That's the point. And if you bring in a running back, he's going to compete with Marlon Mack, with Rex Burkhead, with Scotty Phillips, with Royce Freeman. He's going to compete with all of those guys. So it doesn't preclude the Texans from snatching a Kenny Walker at number 37 or a Brees Hall at number 37 or a Damian Pierce a little bit later in the draft or a Kyron Williams maybe early on day three. It doesn't preclude them from doing that. But what it does is it puts more uh, more bodies in the room to sort of figure it out, especially at a position like like running back. That's one where we've seen it so many different injuries. Guys go down for a few weeks. You got to have somebody to step in and do some good things. I remember that Jets game. The Jets ended up, and now the name escapes me. You know, I have to look it up during the break. But they had a running back. I think it was Walt, His name's Walter. He went to Rice. Austin Walter, I think, went to Rice. Really hadn't got on the field, but Michael Carter, the rookie, who'd had a great rookie year, had got banged up for a game. And so they had to turn to Walter. He had to score and a touchdown, back in his hometown, where he had gone to college. It was a big day, and they had Jets ended up winning the game. So the more bullets in the holster, if you will, the more shots, the more darts you have in your hand thrown at the dartboard, the better opportunity you have. Now, would it be awesome if Marlon Mack was healthy for all 17 games, and we saw the old Marlon Mack for 17 games? Hell yeah, that would be awesome. But... Chances are that's not going to happen every single game. So you got to have some youth at the position, too. So this signing of Marlon Mack doesn't preclude them from going out and drafting a running back. Maybe you drafted two. It doesn't at all. And it doesn't for any of the positions. Texas are going to have a lot of draft picks. And they've signed a lot of different players at different spots. But they're not going to say, well, no, we can't draft a running back because we went and signed Dario Gombale and they re signed Race Freeman and we already re signed uh, Rex Burkhead back during a year. And now we bring on Marlon Mack they're going to bring in talent and let it compete at every position, every single position, maybe including quarterback. Well, let's talk a little bit more about quarterbacks and the offense. And we're going to let the man say it for himself, Pep Hamilton, a little Texans audio jukebox with the Texans offensive coordinator next, right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Yeah, I started singing because I can't sing, so I always like to kind of just belt it out, just kind of let it go. I'm your host this evening, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. It's time for a little Texans Audio Jukebox. It's been a little while. I always do this with press conferences. We did this, and, and this kind of gives you where the idea came from. Back my old radio station, We used to have a a boss who would go over to Texans press conferences and he would get all the sound and he would bring it back to our afternoon show, which just happened to be me and Sean Pendergast. And so he would come in, he would play the sound and then we would react to it and then he would play more sound, we'd react to it even more and I was like, huh, I kind of like this idea. So then I started this uh, a few years ago where I would take the sound from the press conference and get the key notes and then either decipher what coach is saying or just give you the information straight out. So here we go Texans audio jukebox, offensive coordinator Pep Hamilton. Lovey, Pep, Frank Ross all went to the podium at the press box in the press box today. And of course, right off the bat, when Pep stepped up there, the first question was about food. No. No vacation. No Davis Mills. Yes, of course. You know it had to be about Davis Mills, and it was. Here's what uh, Pep had to say about Davis making the leap from year one to year two.
2: Uh, heading in, into the second season, I think um, you know the simple fact that you know we're talking about Davis. You know, as potentially being our starting quarterback, uh, it's going to be really important that he brings a, le- a certain level of consistency every day uh, in the meeting rooms. Uh, in the weight room out on on the field with with our guys and the strength coaches, as well as uh, continuing to work to understand NFL defense so that he can go out and play faster and be a better decision maker with the football.
0: Now, I have been around around these parts since 2007. A lot of coaches go to the mic and they talk about things very vague, ambiguous, if you will. Hey, what does a guy have to work on to get better? Well, you know, we just want to see him make strides in year two and just become the type of quarterback that we all think he can be. No, like specifically, what do you want that guy to work on? Well, you know, it's something that uh, we're all going to have to work for. We're all going to have to work together to make it better. I get so frustrated listening to press conferences when coaches are asked about things that a player can work on. And then you get, that was not the case for Pep Hamilton. When he was asked today, what are the specific things that Davis Mills needs to work on going forward?
2: first and foremost we have to speed up our drops we have to speed up our drops uh, that's a big part of staying on schedule in the passing game we have to uh, continue to work on managing the pocket and keeping our eyes downfield you know there's a lot of times when we get off schedule and we moved off our spot you know there's a spot that we typically set up at at the top of our drops well you know if you have to move off your spot you know you just want to maintain your throwing posture keep your eyes downfield, and uh, and continue your progression. And if it, it means finding your check down, we'll do just
0: When he mentioned right off the bat about its drops, I thought it was really interesting. And I didn't mean to do this. It just it just sort of happened. I had been up there for the press conference, came back down, and I was looking for something on the YouTubes. You can even find everything on the YouTubes. And I came across Davis Mills' best plays in 2021. Hmm. Okay. This makes for a good – lunch fodder video to watch so I'm eating lunch and I'm watching and I thought back as I'm watching I thought back to what Pep had to say and I was like man he's right on it's something you don't think about oh man the pass drop's got to be quicker but it does it really does need to improve if things get a little bit quicker and faster so I'm watching this and as we got to the second part you know obviously after uh, Davis had gone back to the bench but then came back and started the Seattle games you started seeing things speed up a little bit his drop was faster decisions were made faster uh he threw the ball maybe with a little bit more zip too because he knew where he was wanting he knew where he wanted to throw the football but the drop was the one that got me because I watch these college prospects these college quarterbacks and they are so slow especially if they've never taken a snap under center if they have never taken a snap under center, you can absolutely forget them getting away and pushing away from center quickly, and then guys just kind of take their time going back. So it's one of those fundamental things that quarterbacks should be much better at. The fact that that Coach Hamilton had pointed that out, I thought was really really interesting about uh, Davis Mills. That was it was really kind of it was kind of cool to hear him go into specifics of the things that Davis has to do better. And it isn't as if Davis is going to hear that and go, Coach, you don't believe in me? No, I think those are all very constructively um, spoken by Pep about his quarterback, Davis Mills. Now, if Davis is going to do things in year two and be successful at those things, he's going to need the running game to step up big, Here's Pep on the importance of said running game. We feel
2: like it's really important. We feel like, you know, at the end of the day, you want to present balance to your opponent. Uh, It's tough enough to uh, defend the pass rushers that we face on a week-to-week basis in the National Football League. Uh, So you would like to, you know, especially on first and second down, just uh, uh, force our defense to, I mean, the defenses to play us honest. And um, and, uh, you do that by having balance in your attack. So we want to improve our running game.
0: Look, this running game for the last couple of years has just been... I mean, you guys you guys have seen it. I don't have to sit there and tell you this running game has not been good. The coaches know the running game wasn't good. Everybody knows the running game wasn't good. One year, I think it was 31st in the league. One year, I think it was 32nd in the league. It may have been both years, 34. Either way, when the number starts with a three and there are two digits, it's not good. 30th, 31st, 32nd, doesn't matter. When you, for two years... Cannot run the football effectively against good defenses and just take the pressure off your quarterback. That's too much, man. And it was—it was too much under Sean Watson in 2020. It was too much on uh, Tyrod and Davis in 2021. The run game has got to get better. We all know that. We talked uh, earlier, Lovey Smith. We were talking about running backs. Marla Mack added to the roster today. If you missed the news, it is official. Marla Mack part of the roster. That makes the running back room, Rex Burkhead, Scotty Phillips, Dario Gumbwale, Royce Freeman, Marlon Mack, as it stands today. And, of course, fullbacks, Paul Quesenberry and Andy Janovich. I don't know if they're in the fullback. I don't know if they're in the running back room or if they're in the tight end room. Either way, they're fullbacks. They kind of split both nowadays. But that's your, your ball-carrying, uh, ball-catching uh, backs, if you will, those five. Doesn't mean they're not going to add more to it, um, but it is going to be hugely important for those backs to have a good year. And if the backs are going to have a good year, then the offensive line has to have a good year. Now, I don't think we have it in the clips here, but Pep was asked about uh, Titus Howard. Titus Howard, guard or tackle? Titus Howard, guard or tackle? And Pep Hamilton answered it about the way you would expect. And that was, we'll tell you later. I don't have that sound, but that's essentially what he said. And there's been so, so much talk about Titus going back to tackle. We saw him in left tackle when Laramie was out last year. And there were some struggles in the left tackle position. We'll see how that plays out. My gut tells me that Titus will end up at right tackle, Laramie back at left tackle, Justin Britt at center, and we can feel... Pretty solid about those three. Then you're going to have competition at the guard spots between Max Sharping, A.J. Can, some rookies. Uh, wh- where el- who else you are going to throw into that mix? There may be another signing at some point that uh, we're not thinking about. But my gut has said all along that Titus will go back to tackle, and George Warhop will have those three on the out, outside, Britt in the middle, and then rock and roll. Now, Jimmy Morrissey did some good things at center. Last year, and hopefully he continues that this year, that if, if Britt does go down for some reason, Jimmy can step in like he did in parts of games this year, and he can rise to the occasion and do some good things now in his second year and getting a full year here with the Texans, unlike last year when he got thrown into the fire. I think he'd been here like three or four weeks. Go to Miami, we don't have Britt, and now Jimmy's got to step up against Raekwon Davis and actually did a decent job against him. So you got all that going on in the offensive line. Um, and so the running game with that offensive line and the running backs, I think on both levels, offensive line and running backs, there will be new pieces that come in and you will have significant impact on this 2022 team from a rookie, at least one at each spot. O-line and running back will let that happen. Now, will it happen at wide receiver? Hard to say because Brandon Cooks is coming back. there had been a lot of talk about – and. Call it noise or whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of talk about Brandon Cooks being traded. A lot. People in the media nowadays, they know how to read a contract. They know how to look at things and come up with their own thoughts. And a lot of people thought there was a potential of Brandon Cooks being traded. Instead, he signed a two-year extension to remain with the Texans. And Pep was asked about the importance of having number 13 back Brandon Cooks.
2: That means a lot. I think uh, when you look at just the production that Brandon has been able to have over the past uh, few seasons. But over the course of his career, you know, he brings a certain level of paranoia uh, for our opponents. And that's going to open up the opportunity for us to um, to balance out our attack. You know, we have to improve. Uh, our run game uh, but at the same time you know we go out with the uh, in to score we want to score I'll score the opponent every game we play
0: that of course is one of the talking points of Brandy Cooks was does he strike fear in the heart of defenses and look he's not Tyreek Hill um, you know he's different from Mike Evans who we talked about earlier but teams that got to account for Brandy Cooks maybe not the same way they account for Tyreek Hill Mike Evans etc But, man, they got to account for him in some way, shape, or form. And that puts a lot of pressure on a defense. Hopefully, in year two of their careers, defenses will have to game plan at some point to slow down Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan. Both of them, over the last half of the year, showed some improvement. Brev got in the end zone against the L.A. Rams in his uh, first game action. That was great to see. Nico got in the end zone against the L.A. Chargers for his first touchdown. They both, down the stretch were instrumental for this team in the passing game. Now in year 2, it's time for the to take another step. Here's Pep Hamilton talking about his two second-year pass catchers, Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan.
2: Yeah, that's it's going to be important that, you know, Nico and, and Brevin and some of the other you, you know young pass receiving threats that we have that they work together with our quarterbacks to uh, just develop to develop more of a sense of continuity and uh, and that trust you know, that level of trust that we're gonna to need to uh to be able to play fast and anticipate our throws and, and to uh attack our opponent, our opponents with rhythm and timing in our passing
1: game.
0: Now we've talked about Davis and Brev and Nico right there, but year two players in general have gotta take significant strides. And Pep sort of encapsulated all of those players when he was asked about making the strides from year one to year two.
2: Yeah, we expect you know for um, you know some of our younger guys to uh, to, to take a step you know we, we expect there to be a certain level of progress uh, for the simple fact that you've spent you've had time on task I think with any young player not just at the quarterback position the more you you have an understanding of what the opponent is attempting to do to you uh, or how they strategically trying to attack our our offense or defend our offense uh, it's going to help you know it's going to help us to make faster decisions and that's what it's all about just making fast decisions Decisions and executing at a high level.
0: This goes back to the very first comment about Davis Mills and his drops. To be able to make those faster decisions, getting to your drop point faster. As you're dropping, your head is, is moving. You're trying to keep it still, but it's moving. But if you get to your drop point and that head can get still, you're reading safeties, things happen faster. The game starts to, we say it's slowing down. But what it is, is you're getting more competent at making decisions because you're seeing things quicker, faster. Your pre-snap reads are all good. And as a second-year player, you can start to, hey, I remember this from last year. I can do this. Hey, I remember this coverage. I know what this coverage is. I'm going to do this. You start seeing and doing those things that maybe you didn't think you could as a rookie. Or you look back as a rookie and go, man, I, I can't believe I didn't know to do this. But now in a second year, you can put all that into play. And hopefully those three in particular, those three, Davis Mills, Nico Collins, and Brevin Jordan, I mentioned Jimmy Morrissey, him as well. In that second year, things just happen a lot faster because they've seen it before. They are moving at a faster rate of speed. They've got some of those things that bothered them as rookies where things were a little bit slower. They're, they're, they're getting through them faster. Everything moves faster. They're executing better. And this offense moves like Pep Hamilton and all of us wanted to move in 2022. So there it is Texans audio jukebox with Pep Hamilton. Now, one thing that I mentioned earlier was about Marlon Mack. And I wish I had the sound for this. I, I don't. I don't know why. I don't have the Frank Ross sound, but I, I wish I did because he was asked about Marlon Mack. Now, Frank's a special teams coach, and Marlon Mack's a running back. So you're like, wait, is Marlon Mack going to return kicks? What's the connection? Well, Frank was in Indianapolis for two years while Marlon Mack was on that roster. And he spoke about Marlon today, and I thought it was very straight and to the point. He said, look, he's a pretty low-key guy, quiet guy, but a good teammate. Will bust his butt and play hard for this organization I wish we had that sound, and I'll try and find it uh, during the break. If I can't find it tonight, I'll end up having it for you tomorrow, uh, so we can hear that. But Frank, I thought, did a great job encapsulating the effect that Marlon Mack and the impact Marlon Mack can have on this roster in 2022. So that was good to hear. That was the very last question. I can't remember who asked that question. I think maybe Cole, Cole Thompson, maybe who asked this. A good question because Frank had that experience with Marlon. So wish we'd had the sound from Frank, but. We'll save it for another time. We got to get Frank on the show because I know Frank can go a lot of different directions and he would be really, really fun. You heard me asking Lovey Smith about Frank Ross, about does he cut your hair? Frank's offered to cut my hair. I'm not sure if I'm totally there yet, but I kind of want to do it. I've been bald before. I can handle a bad haircut. I just don't think Frank would give me a bad haircut. Either way, that is for a time down the road. All right, a lot of things happened this weekend and today in the nfl we'll go around the nfl and one of the more tragic stories that happened this weekend down in south beach involved a former first round quarterback we'll discuss that next right here on texas all access
1: well i mean we're looking at the roster right now and you see who we have there and um You also see our play at the cornerback position. Uh, Our our play at the cornerback position last year was not good enough. It's as simple as that. Um, If we brought somebody back, we have faith in them. We think that they can fit into the mix some kind of way. But uh, as a position, we'll continue to look to improve. We can't play the type of football that we want to play until we get better at the cornerback position. I will say that.
0: That was Lovey Smith at his presser today. Talking about the corner, C-O-R-N-E-R, cornerback position. Depending on where you live in the world, sometimes quarterback and quarterback kind of sound the same. Then he's talking about corners, secondary, pass defenders. I don't think it's, for those who watched in 2021, I don't think that is a surprise. I think the fact that Lovey did address that right there shows, hey, the Texans could put a pretty high priority on finding guys that cover. Is it a Derek Stingley? Is it a Sauce Gardner, two guys that presumably would go to top 12? Is it somebody at 13 like a Trent McDuffie and Andrew Booth? McDuffie out of Washington. Uh, Is it McDuffie's teammate, Kyler Gordon, maybe a little bit later in the draft? Where do they look for corners? And one of my favorites, do they look on day two at Zion McCullum out of Sam Houston or Marcus Jones? The diminutive corner, uh, the University of Houston, one of the best football players I think I saw in 2021. So definitely something to watch for your Texans in 2022, starting in this draft coming up at the end of this month. Now, let's go around the NFL with one of the saddest stories in the mo- in most recent weeks. There's been a lot going on in the NFL, a lot of trades, a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Probably the hardest thing to talk about is losing a young person. Well, before uh, they should pass, and that is Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins was down in South Florida. He was working out with his Steelers teammates, and I don't and haven't heard the full gist of what exactly happened, but he was hit by a truck and unfortunately passed away at the age of 24. Just an incredibly sad story, and one that I just Hate to uh, to hate to bring up in any way, shape, or form. More tragic news in the NFL. Gary Brown, for Houston fans that go way, way back to the Oilers days. You remember Gary Brown had a tremendous season at running back. I believe it was 1993. Gary Brown was outstanding. He had been the running backs coach of the Dallas Cowboys up until 2020. Last year, he spent it, I believe, with University of Wisconsin, 52 years old. He passed away over the weekend. He had been in hospice care, had significant issues uh, since 2019. Gary Brown, former Houston Oilers running back, passed away at the age of 52. So uh, just a sad weekend losing Dwayne Haskins and losing Gary Brown. And thoughts and prayers to Gary Brown and Dwayne Haskins family. They're gone both way too soon. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show. A big thanks to my man, Austin Mendez, back in the studio, for Coach Lovey Smith, who joined me. If you missed that interview, go, oh man, I just got in the car. I'm just hearing this. You had Lovey Smith on? Yeah, Houstontexans.com. Check out the all access tab, and you can get every all access segment that you want and need on our podcast page. Go check it out, go get the app. You can get the Harris 100. It's right there. Click on it. You get all my write-ups for all the players. We'll probably have an update coming within a week or so, which is probably news to my friend Amanda Caffey. But either way, Texans app, get all of our podcasts. You get all access there so you can hear my interview with Lovey Smith from earlier in the show right there. And a big thanks to you for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.